Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It is wicked. Those that don't know how to be pros get evicted. A woman could bear you, break you, take you. Now it's time to rhyme. Can you relate to a sister dope enough to make you holler and scream? Hey, yo, let me take it from here, queen. Excuse me, but I think I'm about to to get into precisely what I am about to do. I'm conversating to the folks who have no whatsoever clue. So listen very carefully as I break it down for you. Merrily, 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 merrily. Hi, so happy, overjoyed. Please, with all the beats and rhymes my sisters have employed. Look at me throwing down the sound. Totally a yes. Let me state the position. Ladies first. Yes? Yes. Good afternoon, it's Sally Hughes here. I'm in the really sexy new Soho Radio studio. I'm really excited. It's nowhere near as hot as before, so you won't be able to hear my hormonal sweating (laughs) as we talk. Um, I've also got Kate Sevilla. Hi. And our lovely friend and regular guest. Katie Puckrick. She is here. She is Pumped. I'm so pumped, but I don't have audible sweating like you. <laughs> but we could get into that in a minute. You may get sufficiently angry with our stories of the day that you might yeah. start sweating. Yeah. Um, and Heat very shortly, room. we have Bryony Gordon joining us. She's just arrived. Um, we're going to let her into the studio in a sec. She's here to talk about her new book, You Got This, which is like a, a kind of amazing, empowering, cheerful and jolly guide for young girls. I, I, what is it? It's sort of, I really hesitate to use the word girl power because that just seems so old and so flimsy. But and like, like it but, is. Well, it's, it, it's self-love. It's uh, self-love. It's teaching and giving permission yes. for young people and young girls to have to accept themselves. Indeed. Yeah. I'm so excited to talk about it. So good. Yeah. So, so good. I felt, when I was reading it, I just thought, where was my book like this when I was growing <laughs> right? up? I was too busy sort of reading Jackie Collins and Shirley Conran from my yeah. mother's shelf, which was an education You know, in you can learn either way. Um, but there was nothing remotely like it. So we're going to be talking to Bryony Gordon about that. And our playlist all has a kind of theme of female empowerment. Um, but let's not pretend that the battle is over because the very nope. big news story for women this week is Jess Phillips. So Jess Phillips, the MP for, um, just handing Bryony a note, sir, um, <laughs> for um, Birmingham, Birmingham Yardley. Jess Phillips, the Labour MP, um, who is a fearless and vocal spokesperson for feminism. Uh, and left-wing politics and so on, has been getting a really hard time for some months on Twitter anyway for daring to disagree with some of Jeremy Corbyn's uh, policies and actions. But this year, um, this week rather, things ramped up a smidge where a potential UKIP candidate for the European elections, um, a delightful man named by the name of Carl Benjamin, uh, tweeted to Jess Phillips, I wouldn't even rape you. With enough pressure, I might cave. So West Midlands police have confirmed officers were examining whether an offence had been committed. But what's perhaps more shocking is that when that tweet was reported to Twitter, uh, they found that it was not in breach of any (laughs) Twitter rules. And their response to Jess Phillips' complaint was... In isolation, it was offensive, but in part of a wider context, it could be interpreted as not offensive. Yes, the wider context of angry, misogynist men. (laughs) That's okay. Yes. That's fine. I mean, that's kind of the 
the thing. I just, I'm not even shocked. Like, I was reading the news story and I was like, uh huh, yep. That seems about right. Yeah, part of the course. Yeah, imagine uh, Twitter actually doing anything about it properly. I'd well, rape has been a weapon of war since ye olden days. So uh, Twitter's right in with the age-old trend. Yeah, and this idea that it's just bants, that it's just a thing you can joke yeah. about. It's Rape is different, right? I mean, we're talking about a violent criminal act. Well, just to circle back to your point about Bance, this whole for the lols culture and uh, this joker is, is trying to palm it off as satire, his egregious comments. Yeah. I mean, that is the new, that's the alt-right's trick these days. It's, it's all a joke. It's, it's mm. 90s irony gone mad. So now you can just sort of back off and say, well, you're the person with the problem because you don't have a good enough sense of humor to understand that being threatened with rape or death or decapitation, whatever it is. It's just a hilarious joke. This is key, I think, because, of course, you start off saying, hey, it's just Bance, you have no sense of humour, oh, snowflake, triggered by everything. It's a small step then to, I'm here with my righteous sword of freedom of speech and I'm actually protecting our freedom of speech, which is something that's going on loads on social media this week. So far right... Um, and and some far left at this point. People are so hmm. close to meeting in the middle, I can't tell anymore. Oh, it's called a horseshoe, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, people are saying that actually they're protecting uh, people's right to speak freely and Jess Phillips should just be able to take it. Various people on Twitter today saying, you know, if if someone is ridiculed, if a man is ridiculed, he's just doing the same back as though describing horrific, violent, life, ruinous and criminal acts is the all- same. Can I, can I, hello? Hi, Hi, everyone. (laughs) She snuck in. I just snuck in. It's also this notion that as women, we exist only for the male gaze. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And it's our bodies are only there to be, uh, they're just to be sexualized, you know? And I, I find it absolutely astonishing that reading that tweet handed to me is I just I, how is that allowed on Twitter like how how did that that passes their kind of standards because it's become so normalized I'm a woman thereby that you know it amazes me the amount of times I put a lot of things on Instagram which are pictures of me showing off like my cellulite my you know you know yeah. my lumps my bumps to with your actual filter, real body to show yeah. my reclaim my body it's not a sexual object it's actually something that's you know it serves a function I've given birth with it I I've run marathons with it. I've survived alcoholism and addiction with it. And it's like, it's reclaiming it. But the amount of comments that I get, men sneaking in going, well, I think you're really fit. So as if as if I should be like oh, really thanks. over the moon. I oh, do you. I was waiting like, oh, for well, that. Oh, great. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. I, I also get uh, men commenting under my beauty column. Well, my wife doesn't need to wear makeup. Okay. Okay. Well, good for <laughs> her. Great. Right. Well, I'm good. glad that you approve. I'm glad you see her as sufficiently attractive that she doesn't need to engage in this evil. That but also, did it ever occur to any of them that we don't, Wear makeup like, for them, just for them, <laughs> or yeah, for them specifically, at all? probably but not for them. But then there's that. There's what you're talking about and what I'm talking about, and then twenty leagues beyond the sea, you have somebody saying you're not attractive enough for me to rape. Yeah, no, I know, but I'm saying, but it's the norm. I know, obviously, yeah, that's yeah. very, very extreme. Yeah. I'm just, it's that kind of norm. Uh, that how it's how how kind of this is okay and we, yeah we, and it's, it's on the same scale back. what you're saying is yeah. on the this notion that the worst thing you can say to a woman is that is that they're not you you won't 
that they're Touch not fuckable. Her. They're not yeah. fuckable. Or even rapeable. rapeable. Yeah. 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 As if rape has anything to do with sexual desire. It's all about right. control. It's all about shutting power. up women. Well, as you and, said, it's yeah. a weapon. It's absolutely a weapon. And then a side note about the fact that Twitter allows this culture to thrive of shutting down uh, women, of uh, celebrating misogyny. There was that thing that happened, uh, I think it was last week in America, where there was some talk about um, you know, the way that ISIS and their platforms had been su- successfully silenced on Twitter. And then there were people going, well, okay, let's, let's have a look at the far right and the alt right and, and get them to kind of simmer down a little bit. And then Twitter came back and said, well, we can't do that because we'd scoop up a lot of legitimate uh, right-wing Republicans. Uh, in interesting. The it, yeah. Well, darn. <laughs> so, legitimate assholes. Yeah, legitimate yeah. assholes. So, oh, we couldn't be doing that. So that just goes to show that those in power are empowered by the infrastructure here, Twitter and all the other well, social media platforms. Yeah, and with this specifically, the thing is, I keep forgetting, this wasn't just some random faceless troll. This was someone standing to be an MEP. Right. It's not just some <laughs> random person that you can just block. This is a person who... I think as Jess Phillips said, is the upsetting thing is that they are kind of standing on the same and share the same platform that she does. This isn't just some like faceless anonymous troll. Yes, the, uh, it, uh, you're absolutely oh, right. But, but what Twitter does, of course, Twitter is not only legitimizing that tweet; it's legitimizing the behavior in the mainstream yep. and normalizing it. So what's it. happened is um, Hannah from BuzzFeed was tweeting this morning that she received an email from a Carl Benjamin fan. I'm going to have to be careful about reading this. There's too many beeps in it. But mm. hello, effing. C word. I would never even rape you, you effing ugly whore, but I'll tell you what I'll do to you, you effing human trash. I'll take control of your country. I'll throw you and your friends in jail. I'll torture you mentally and physically. I'll put you to death publicly for treason of humankind. You effing whore, I can't wait to make it happen. And the title of the email is Carl Benjamin. Uh, Jess Phillips has also stated that she was leaving Parliament yesterday, I think. Mm. And a man approached her and said, you should be able to take these comments. You're in public office. We pay your wages. You should listen to whatever people have to say to you. I mean, I'm... I'm not entirely sure if a man has time to be on Westminster Bridge shouting that at Jess Phillips. He's entirely paying her wages. Yeah. <laughs> Just you know, a side note. I do, I do wonder. Yeah, if not in, that that's the point. Either. If in like 10 years time, we'll look back on this period of social media as, as like the Wild West. Like we won't be able to believe that it was so unpoliced and governed, but also that we ourselves just spent hours staring at it. Do you know what yeah, I mean? right. I hope going, so. Like you know, like how the government give you like you should. They recommend you should have five a day vegetables, and you should do this. <laughs> yes. and have Screen time. I'm sure they'll be like you should only like they. They say if you're under five, you should only be allowed an hour of screen time. And I'm yeah. like, I'm sure I don't do as much screen time as that. You know, and I'm 38, and then my little report comes up. <laughs> on a Sunday and it's like your average daily screen time is five hours and I'm like oh fuck you yeah. have no life it's true and it, it it's something that affects us all and something that probably makes us all feel less good than we naturally would yeah. but there's this difficulty isn't there because you can't really put the genie back in the bottle. We can only keep our sides mm. of the street clean. Mm. What is Twitter's responsibility here to make the experience healthier? than it is now what should they be doing well they probably have no responsibility other than to their investors and their own bottom line because all this stuff uh draws eyes to their website and Mm. makes them a lot of money and my goodness here we are talking about it and probably drawing you know attracting more people to check out what we're talking about um i don't know that they're that incentivized to do anything about it 
I, no. I know that Bryony certainly and I and possibly you too have received this manner of correspondence on Twitter. And I suppose the thing that gets me the most about it, and I hate it almost as much as the abuse, is I hate it when people tell me what to do about it. So mm-hmm. when people say, just block and ignore. Or, what, yeah. That gives them, that, get, that they get off on saying that they're blocked. Yes, I'm yes. big one for a mute button. Yeah, but you know, yeah when love people, a mute button. When people tell you how you should respond, just ignore them, just go outside and go for a walk. <laughs> and of course, by the time that has happened, you have heard the comment, read the comment, absorbed the mm, comment. It's a body blow. It's a body blow. And I think even if you're a fairly kind of sassy girl about town, there's actually only so much aggression a person can absorb. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, and should be expected to absorb. Because the thing is, is that when things like that happen, uh, even if you mute, even if you ignore it and go for a walk outside, you're still going to get a text from your friend and be like, gosh, I saw that thing that somebody said about you. Here's a screen grab of this thing that was said about you in this Facebook group. Did you know about this? It's like, well... Well, I didn't, but thanks, mm-hmm. I sure do now. Uh, I I think back to what you were saying about, like, what is Twitter supposed to do about it? Well, they just need to have, like, a, you know, some sort of fucking line. Like, actually have a real policy, have a department that actually gives a shit about this. So it's like, what is your concern? That you're editorializing it, that you're policing it too much, that it's getting too political? Well, guess what? It already is. And you have a massive responsibility, especially to younger people, to do something about it. There's a great deal of inconsistency in policy, yes. I think. That's and so, the problem, the inconsistency. Right. The, mm-hmm. the policy is not clear. So a man, and this literally happened, a man can go on Twitter and accuse the small children of Sandy Hook of being actors. He can say that. So yeah. he can call families who've lost their children to murder in a massacre, he can call them liars. But if somebody responds and says, oh, just die, you asshole, then they are banned. Mm-hmm. I think the I think that it's just as the mainstream media is regulated by, you know, we have Ofcom and stuff like that. It needs to be put in place with with social media and governments yeah. need to come in and, you know, and tell them what not what's what is and what's not. And but I think also on my personal level, like I I can't police Twitter or Instagram or anything like that. But I as a journalist, when I write for The Telegraph, I refuse now to have comments on. Yeah. Right. And that isn't me shutting down freedom no. like debate because the only comments that I get are you're fat, you're ugly, yeah. you're this, you're that, you you know, are you so paid what for purpose is it serving? And it, what it does is I know now that those are not the only people reading it. They're of just course. the only people that want that will venture you know are sitting behind their computer for long enough to to think oh i'm gonna um, well, well but, but also they are scaring away legitimate so commenters because it's I a hostile get, environment they shut down the conversation frequently yeah. get messages on instagram from women saying oh i want i i was gonna subscribe to your to that but i won't i didn't want to because i was so appalled by the comments and so i say to telegraph i'm not i'm just not going to do it and what's interesting is is that when you shut when you do that and you're like email instead all the emails I get in are really interesting. Yeah. They're constructive. They're like, like I don't agree with you on that point. And I think this. And I'm like, great, I'll have this debate. This is fine. But not mm. if you're just going to call me a fat beep, 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 yeah. beep. It forces mm. them underground because on, on the pool, we didn't have comments either. Mm. And of course, they would just, you know, go to Facebook instead or have their little underground gossip groups or whatever that they wanted to, you know, throw at us. But they always find a way. So if you shut it down, they always will find a way. But it's, I would rather that and then forcing them to have to find new ways to, to spew shit because well, it's and, less of a And ways that are away from my gaze. Yes. I, you know, I exactly. don't need it it's below my you. work. I don't need everybody who reads my work 
to have to read that if they want to just slate me they can scurry mm-hmm. off and find their exactly. safe place where they can slate me and those places definitely do exist they do. very kind people tell me sometimes Aww. what people are saying about me um, <laughs> just just so you're aware it's worse it's worse than actually saying it it's like a cat dropping a dead yeah. pigeon on your feet till someone is <laughs> hurrying away <laughs> Um, but at least they can go somewhere where I can't immediately yes. see them. It's not right under your column, well, you know? because, because it devalues mm-hmm. I used my to, work. I used to get really like engaged, and I would I would send myself into a kind of rage, I'm like frothing <laughs> yeah. with rage on a Saturday, which is where my column comes out. And now I've got very good at just like I just if something comes into my inbox that's rude, I just delete it and get on with my day. And I've had to start thinking of, in sort of almost feeling sorry for the people that like the only way I can sort of rationalize it and me- is, is not to give too much thought to it other than gosh I really pity the fool that yes. is stuck in their sort of dark room calling you know to, I mean this is obviously with with Jess and it's it's much more extreme but um still related these people it, always exi- have always existed this is the thing like yes. I remember before social media was widespread having worked in on Fleet Street for like 20 years remember I used to get like they used to call them the Green Ink Brigade. Yeah, the yeah. Green Ink, yeah. exactly. I used to get sent rape threats in the post mm-hmm. <laughs> with oh. porn- pornography. Nice. Okay. Um, and the police would come in and it's sort of like, oh, it's just online, we should ignore it. And mm. then I love the way, or I don't love this, obviously, this is me being sarcastic. <laughs> when the police are kind of asked to comment on why they don't police social media and they're like, well, because it takes resources away from other things, if it's, as if it's an either or. Yeah, you know what I mean. As like, well, well, why should it be an either or? It's a crime. It, you know, this yeah. is not good. This is this is unreasonable behavior. And yeah. circling back to something that Kate said earlier, that whole idea that it's uh, it's one thing that it's in everybody's face, including Jess's on Twitter, but now she's facing this odious individual as her opponent, her political yeah. opponent, mm. yeah. and and that is that's when it stops being satire as he tried to dub his rape threats. And that's when it stops being for the lulls because he's trying to represent UKIP. And I don't understand how, if UKIP is trying to uh, spruce up their image and uh, try and insist (laughs) that they're not all about white supremacy and down with darkies or whatever, um, why are they allowing him to run? Right. And it's also work. Like they're at work. Yes. Yeah, that, that's the other thing yes. that nobody's talking about. People keep saying about you know he's he's a politician. He's he has a right to freedom of speech. He's on social media. He's a big character. He's a man of conviction. She's a big character. She gives it out. She has to take it back. All of that stuff. He is literally at work. He is talking about <laughs> a colleague, albeit somebody on the other side of the political fence. Mm. So the notion that somebody could just you know be making chips in McDonald's and make a joke in the workplace, which Twitter certainly is, it's a method of communication for all politicians, to make a joke in the workplace about raping the burger flipper. Why, why, mm. why are we... That's not a thing. Can we you not don't get to keep your job. No. Can we not conflate your right to freedom of speech with your... You know, not, it's not the same as your right to be aggressive, rude, vile, violent. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, this is not... This, can we stop using this phrase, freedom of speech? Like, when I think to about justify freedom of speech, hate I think, speech... I think about people living in countries where, you know, the, the, the media are censored and they have to yeah. live in... Say, you know, mm. like, like, this is not... You, if you think that you, Mr. UKIP, are you know have a right to freedom of speech, go and live in fucking North Korea and th- yeah. then come back and Good talk luck. to me about freedom of speech. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? sorry, I, I think no, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. We love it. Um, 
like what you were saying, like he's at work. Well, you know, the quote unquote leader of the free world, he's also at yeah, work. Unfortunately. And unfortunately, the sort of uh, normalization of people who are, you know, not qualified to be in big positions like that and somehow are uh, and talk the way that they do and behave the way that they do. When he talked about, you know, grabbing pussy, it was he was also at you work. You can go as low as you want now and still clear yep. the bar of acceptability. Yep. And yes. that's where we are. If you're, a boy, if you're a man, yeah. 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 If you're yeah. a white male, you can, yeah, yeah. free range, free yeah. range. Free range chickens. Yeah, <laughs> our, our, we have stretched, haven't we? It's such a sort of elastic thing, whereas now mm. you can say these things and they come under the banner, thanks to people like Milo and Trump and all, yep. all sorts of um, those those guys. Those, those guys. Days. I used to work with Milo. Did you? Yeah, Tell like us about before him. he was... Before he was, oh, anything. when he was at the Telegraph, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah I was a fun tar- early target of his too. Yeah. Back in the day, I, 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 you know, you look back and go, oh, yeah, I know. Well, I kind of had an, an idea that yeah, he was in trouble. Yeah, what well, it was, the signs were there in the in the early petri dish version. Yeah, yeah. Of my and life. yet we did nothing. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, I feel so guilty. Well, some of us tried, just didn't work. But regardless of what you think of Trump's politics or whatever, we have ended up in a situation now where politicians, it's sort of considered to be part of your job description to be like a shock jock. Yes. Whereas it's about your personality and being fearless in what you say. Whereas, in fact, being a politician is being a civil servant. That's what you are. Your job is to Uh, remember. It's so stressful. (laughs) I mean, that's why... It's a timely reminder. Not just just the ones that might happen to be really bigoted and you know like all of them that's all your job them. as a politician yeah. well i do wonder about um how uh, is the bark worse than the bite i suspect that all of the noise that, that's coming out of these uh troubled and limited individuals via social media um there's probably not that many of them but they present like they're the whole world because when you go on to twitter there's all this noise coming at Uh you and you can't Uh help but feel just like waves of this slop and this is where i think that twitter actually has a they they can they can do stuff so with their whole like mysterious algorithms where you're like i don't follow this person yet i'm seeing this shit i think you end up seeing more of the shit because it's not just who you follow and who's retweeted what. There's all the stupid algorithms and who's liked what. And you might also be interested in this. Yes. And I think that that stuff, unfortunately, gets elevated because people are talking about yes, it. Yes, I agree. Too. Yeah. Yes, I think this is... Uh, I've had to block various people who would never tweet me in a million years purely so that they don't just land in my timeline. Yeah. So, I, you know, I have to block Piers Morgan and Katie Hopkins because I just don't really want to be bummed oh, out by really? retweets. I once, woke up, I once woke up to... Um, this was this was like quite a few years ago, and um, I don't follow Katie Hopkins and never have. And I don't lie, Brian. It was in the same sudden flurry of tweets of people calling me fat, right? Mm-hmm. And tw- Katie Hopkins had been watching the Eurovision Song Contest. This must have been about three or four years ago, and there was a f- fat singer on it singing about self love, but she didn't do very well. She got like null point. Yeah, and <laughs> Katie Hopkins just apropos of nothing was like, "Oh, see, like at Briny underscore Gordon, this is what this is what you know being." F- I don't know what she was going on about, sure. but I was like. Oh, good morning to so you you're too. Being, yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks so you're, let me just get this straight. Katie Hopkins is blaming you 
for a Eurovision moment. So that is a win, my friend. I, like, she, I would she, take that. Is, she she had a, like she wrote a column once when the Sun still employ you know when even the Sun stopped employing you, you've got a question you're kind of yeah. <laughs> but she had um, she said that people like me and Tess Holiday I'm, I'm a like a portly size eighteen to twenty like I exercise every day. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, I, run, I don't run know if I, I've already mentioned this once before, but I run marathons. But we're going to keep talking about it. She uh, she said that we weren't but a bit hot bikini body ready we were body bag ready oh fuck and like this is cold like i remember thinking oh i don't like also i'm not sure any readers of the sun will have a fucking clue who i am as well Do yeah you know what I mean? right. yeah like, there was that as well thanks but, but, um, but i was like wow you, you kind of know you're on the right side of history yeah when casey hopkins is when like you become exactly. a target exactly. but i do find it really sad for these people who must live like constantly having to think what is the most controversial opinion on this what is going to get me the mm. most retweets the most mm-hmm. likes what is people that kind of live to go on good morning yes, britain as talking yeah. heads yeah. and, and that then becomes your career yeah. Yeah. yeah people like milo people like Piers morgan where that can you imagine how exhausting that must be to well, be that hateful <clears throat> and to pin your entire career and persona on that what are they supposed to like they they well, can't really change or evolve for, it's exhausting for nice people but it's probably i don't know it's mana for them it's kind of like, like low it. they're energy, wired that right? way but what purpose does it serve i'm sure everybody else here has been asked on Good Morning Britain multiple times and I always say no based on not even point of principle just like what purpose does it serve yeah to take <laughs> to take a complex topic make it binary yeah have Piers Morgan on one side just being angry and trying to do the kind of bro bants mm-hmm. on the one side in three minutes mm. and have Susanna who is great but just sort of now eye rolls on the yeah. sofa. Because what else would you do but, but, in the video? Yeah, just position. sort of sits there rolling Vomit. her eyes at the awful man. What purpose does it serve other than to hand them that clickbaity yep. binary thing mm. yep. on a plate? There is no purpose to it at no. all. You're not allowed to go on and say, I don't know. I feel a little bit like this, a little bit like that. <laughs> yeah, I can yeah, see yeah. their point. Yeah. And yeah, it's the debate me culture, well, it, which is a very yeah. masculine approach to discussion anyway. Yeah. The zero sum. No yeah. if, you can't, if you can't debate it perfectly, well, then you're an idiot. And right. Yeah. I mean, never mind being on live television. I mean, the thought of trying to debate something with Piers Morgan mm. just makes me like sweat. Thing, <laughs> I, I kind of know Piers a bit as well. And he's actually, in. you know, he's a really nice guy, which I find, you know, it's like, it's a job. It's yep. a job and it's the thing. And it brings in, it brings in, you know, a, a lot of amount, money. Well, it brings in a lot of ratings, <laughs> a lot of. But I do He's worry about this saying. culture where there is, as you say, there's no kind of like because actually, and we see it with Brexit. There's this kind of it's again, it's either or, and yeah. actually, most people in reality, we we sort of we we all are a bit of you know we're shades yeah, of we're gray. complicated. Yeah. I sort of think yes. that's worse though because he, he, yes, it, because. I'm sure he is nice to his friends and his family and his kids. So that kind of makes it worse because mm-hmm. he doesn't even have integrity in what he does. Yeah. He sort of adds this toxicity. And believe me, I know lots of people who know him and, all, and say the yeah. same as you, who really like him. Giles Corrin's another one. But you are what you do, I think. And, you know, and if you put if you mm-hmm. put that stuff out, that is who you are. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And also, the, you know, when you look at the people who who believe him and support him and think that he's... There's no irony there. There's yeah, no yeah. doing it for a they're, they're not looking at him in that nuanced way of like, well, you know, he's probably saying this because that's his role and that's the contract he signed no. to be the bad cop. Um, the, he's propagating it. So he's churning this 
uh, monkey shines back into the culture. Um, I think fittingly, um, I should put on Nasty by Janet Jackson. Perfect. <laughs> Janet Jackson with Nasty. Um, Bryony Gordon is still here. She's the writer of You Got This, which we're going to talk about in a bit. Um, lovely Katie Puckrick, who we love, is back. Thank after you. a little bit of a break. Haven't seen you in a while, have I know, we? I know, but um, I, I slipped in. I, I was a very opportunistic guest. I saw there was a yeah. nature pours a vacuum, and here I am to <laughs> plug it up. <laughs> she was like, do you want me? I was like, I always want you, Puckrick. I want you. And of course, Kate Severe. Um, we were talking while that record was on, and we will continue to talk about Helena Christensen's tits. Bryony. <laughs> oh, please. Yes. Bryony, what do we think? What's happened here? Well, she, uh, she, she went out, got, good God, a woman of 50 wearing a bustier. So how was she, she even still alive? <laughs> and, and there was this whole kind of bustier. That's how you're supposed to pronounce yes. it. I like. Bustier. The, like the, there was a whole kind of, oh, should you be, you know, it's that thing. Like when you get to 30, you should stop wearing a mint. Like there's some sort of law. You know, yeah, yeah. stop wearing this, start wearing that. Put a sack on, on it, Helena. Put a sack on it. <laughs> and the, uh, the Daily Mail did a whole thing where they got women over the age of 50 to, to kind of get into a bust, bustier. But they were it, it, like, wear whatever the hell you want. Yeah. Can we say who it was who was criticising her? Who was criticising So Alexandra just... Shulman, former editor of British Vogue, um, who should know better? Who is a very fine journalist and a very clever yes. woman, which made yes. it really disappointing. Yeah. Wrote a column in the Mail about how Helena was too old to be wearing a bustier. Uh, Katie Puckrick, you're roughly the same age. Yes. How do you feel about this sort of coverage? Of course, Alex Shulman is only a little bit older than that. Well, number one, make your eyeballs do their job. Look at the photograph of Helena Christensen in a bustier right. and go... She does not look shit. Yeah. The, you know, am I getting a hard-on? Yes. But, I mean, <laughs> but you know what? Even if she did look shit, even yeah, if fine. she did yeah, look shit, like, you don't have to look like Helena Christensen to wear a bustier sure, after the don't. age of 50 or no. at any age. You can look like yeah. whatever the fuck you want to. This is the thing. It's the policing. It's putting ticks and crosses next to women's bodies. Like, oh, you got that wrong. Yeah. I can't stand it. No, it's ridiculous and also so hypocritical because her job as the as a fashion uh, writer, and she was, she was the editor of British Vogue, um, is to celebrate women looking fashionable and enjoying fashion and thriving in fashion. So we have this beautiful supermodel who looks great. Like, she's not even doing a Bjork swan outfit. I mean, <laughs> she's towing the party line as far mm -hmm. as I can see. So, you know, w there's no hope for the rest of us. Yes, right. It's not even an act of rebellion here. We have a very beautiful woman with a very beautiful body in a beautiful bustier, a really nice pair of yeah. jeans at Bella Hadid's birthday party. I mean, if it, could she be more fashion in this Exactly. Outfit? It's like this is hardly hardly controversial. There's nothing about it where you go, oh, like, I wish that everyone you know would just take a breath before they decide to write a column 
and go, am I talking about this person's body? Am I criticizing them in a way like that should just sort of be like the first checkpoint? Like, am I policing a woman's body with my words here, especially if you're a very high profile journalist and one of the most read papers like, yeah, it sells. Yeah, people click Mm -hmm. on it. But like, come on, like this, this this is part of the problem. And there's no rhyme or reason anyway with the male because, uh, you know, depending on if you're on their good side or their bad side, one day you're flaunting your assets, and I guess that's good, and then the next day you're, you know, shoving your ugly body in somebody's face. Well, of course, had she worn something different, there's high probability that she would have become frumpy, she would have become dowdy, she wouldn't be sexy. Remember sexy Helena? What happened? Yeah, like if a minute ago, (laughs) a minute before that picture was taken, maybe she had a cardi on, and then she... Uh-huh. would have been you know wow she is a grandma and she looks like one or whatever yeah Bryony, your yeah. instagram feed it, there's a huge focus on this body positivity or not just even body positivity but just giving women permission to have their bums out have their boobs out have nothing out have everything out what's the thought behind it why is it important well for me i just don't think we see real bodies anymore no. we um everything is filtered you know so we we see sort of japanese manga versions of ourselves mm. on on social media and um and i i just I I I remember that when I, I I remember posting a picture in my underwear. I remember after I did my first marathon, like this is what a marathon's body, runner's body looks like as a kind of eighteen to twenty, um, not year old, eight, size eighteen <laughs> to twenty, and um, people were like, "Oh my god, you're so brave!" As if I was like single handedly going yeah. into Syria to fight ISIS <laughs> yeah. by just posting my body and. Um, I ran the marathon last year with my friend Jada, who's a plus size model, and we did it in our underwear um, and the kind of like sports underwear. So the kind of yeah. stuff that elite women. Yes, run yeah. yes, in the whole yes, time. exactly. And like we proper wanted, stuff. And it was part of it was to say, look, this is what it was to say to anyone. This is what runners bodies look complete, all different shapes and sizes. But also it was to kind of reclaim our bodies. Yeah. I remember actually a columnist in the Sunday Times saying there's nothing liberating about women taking off their clothes and what you're doing is not liberate. And I was like, you know, it's sexual, it's sexualizing yourself. I'm like, no, no, that was the point. It was taking back my body. That's what you're doing. And going, yeah, this is not an object. This is not an object of sexual desire. This is something I can do things and be proud of. And I got sick in my life of feeling like I had an obligation to find things about my body that I disliked or I hated. And I certainly didn't want my daughter to grow up feeling that way. Mm. And I notice it and I see it all the time. I get messages all the time on Instagram from women going, oh, I wish I had your confidence. And I'm like, I don't have confidence. I, I have the same thoughts as everyone else. But what I do have is a desire not to waste any more of my fucking time and energy hating on myself. Mm-hmm. Like it is, this is this is a patriarchal thing. Like yeah. if we are sort of obsessing about, you know, whether we look good or whether so-and-so, the UKIP counsellor wants to rape me or not. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. We can't, it, it fills too much of our energy and too much of our time. And there's a difference between wanting to look nice, wanting to look good, you know what I mean? Like, like wanting to put on yeah. a, an empowering, you know, lipstick and and getting dressed up and, you know, all yeah. of that. But like, I will not. The other day, someone said to me, well, what if I use filters because it cheers me up? And I'm like, I will not allow my mood to be raised by a technique that makes me look fundamentally different yeah. than I yeah. am. There's nothing wrong with me. Yeah. No, there's, there's nothing not. wrong with me. And I won't. And it's that, that the idea that, and people always, like sometimes I post up these pictures and you can see my saying, they're like, yeah, but you look, you know, but I think you're still beautiful. And it's like mm. the idea that I In have, spite of. That I have yeah. to kind of like, 
I'm only going to be happy if people acknowledge yeah. that I am aesthetically pleasing, even yeah. when I've got my stretch masks out. And I have got to a point in my life where I'm like, I don't care whether I'm aesthetically pleasing to anyone else. I don't give a shit what you think about me if I'm wearing a dress that my boobs are out. You know, I'm not doing this for you. I'm doing it because I feel comfortable in this. I feel free in it. I like the way, I like the colour. I like the print. I like the, do you know what I mean? And you look and I'm great. so tired yeah. Yeah. of the kind of, it's it's like a tyranny. It's a total tyranny. What you're doing I mean, is you are normalising being comfortable in your own skin. Mm. Even if, okay, I might feel a bit insecure I might feel a bit shit about that. You're just going, this is my body. This is what I look like. And I'm fine with it. And I don't need you to tell me but that also, I look great or, you know. It's not about like that thing. Like, this is what I look like in my body. You know, that whole thing about self-love. Like, that is unattainable for no. most of us. Like, no. I am not going to look in the mirror Neutrality, every morning please. and go, I love you. Like, it's not. No. But it's, it's self-acceptance. Yes. Yeah. It's like, this is, this is how I was created. You know, the odds of any of us are existing are like, infantismally small that is like one in ten to the power of two million six hundred and eighty five thousand mm-hmm. are the chances of us existing mm-hmm. so your parents have to meet they have to get it on if your dad you came, have to be the winning sperm. like five <laughs> seconds earlier you might be a completely different person yeah. Yeah. like the universe really wants us here as we are it doesn't want us to look like Gigi Hadid or Helena Christensen just wants us to look like be us mm-hmm. and in all our varied glory and I just don't I just hate it when I see people like it's so funny when you do like selfies with people and then someone goes oh can I just check and I'm like no we're not checking (laughs) (laughs) that's what you look like in that moment my kids are not allowed to uh, (laughs) look at photos when we're out and about if they want to take pictures that's cool but they're not allowed to check them and retake them they can take the picture and then we can move on they're not allowed to sit there because we're in the moment we're here we're doing a thing you can record it it, but you can't curate and edit it because we need to get on with what we're doing. Yeah, mean mm. mom. <laughs> so no curation, come on. <laughs> but I don't use filters either on um, on Instagram. And people people sort of live to try and catch me out. So literally oh. only yesterday um, a woman said, when are you going to do a post on your eye surgery? And I said, oh, I haven't, I haven't had any eye surgery. And somebody else said, I don't believe you. You've blatantly had eye surgery. And I said, no, I, I definitely wow. 100% haven't. I really, truly have not. And um, You're I got, a young I got woman. into an extended debate with somebody who was telling me that I was lying and somebody else joining in. And, and so that's the other side of it. Not only have I not had eye surgery, but I'm having to justify to somebody that my eyes are really my eyes because they <laughs> cannot accept that I haven't done something to my eyes and therefore I'm dishonest, I'm lacking in integrity. I was like, but hang on, what possible reason is there for me to lie about having my eyes done? If I had, I would think it would be an interesting thing to talk about. Yeah, you would have written about it. And been like, you, hey, you would have written yeah, about it. Yeah, I'd have totally written yeah, yeah. about it. Yeah. It would be an interesting thing to talk about. And yes. also, I have never, ever, ever criticised anyone who gets plastic surgery. No. I've never been negative about plastic surgery. Yeah, no. And I have never come out and talked about denied having eye surgery until I've been accused of it. So what is my motivation here to pretend I haven't had an eye job? Oh, you know, people love to be Sherlock Holmes and like yes. figure out the story behind but, the story. But in the end, I was just like, who made you the face police? Like, stop, <laughs> stop going around describing women's appearances to them and telling yeah. them what they've, what done, they've done, what they need to do, what they haven't done. Shut up. I do get messages where like, the other day I said something like, oh, uh, I, I put a post up about unfollowing people that make you you feel less than and people yes. are fake you know like people yeah. that would maybe have eye surgery and not 
admit it or who you know like the sort of Kim Kardashians right and yeah. then I was like FYI I'm just plucking my chin hairs right? and then I, I love it. plucking my chin I know, hairs I really like, enjoy it like I get a, cheek one my yeah. daughter started stroking them this morning that's Aww. how quickly they've grown back and um, I got all these me- I got quite a lot of messages being like um, FYI I got electrolysis I don't even know what how to electrolysis electrolysis and it changed my life and, and, I, and I was like oh but I'm happy to just pluck them it's totally fine like it's not a but I I think there's so there's a lack of like I sometimes look at people certain celebrities and I'm not into like naming or whatever but I remember seeing this picture and I was like wow their skin looks amazing that mm-hmm. oh I know why because they filtered all the pores out of there yeah. and they don't have pores. there was like this there was this I saw an advert for a face mask right mm-hmm. and they had like testimonials you know, that's really mm-hmm. popular on Instagram yeah Let's get yeah the real people to give yeah. their real thoughts on this thing mm-hmm. yeah. anyway this woman had said before I use this face mask I had pores and after when I after I used it, I didn't have pores anymore. And I'm like, no, no, baby, you have pores. If you didn't have pores, you'd be dead. You'd be dead. <laughs> and it's that thing. Like, do you remember when Bart? We used to kind of when we were kids. And I don't know. My mom would say to me, if Barbie, you you know, Barbie's not real. If if she was real, she'd topple over. Right. She'd be all out mm-hmm. of proportion. Yeah. But now it's like we do that with ourselves. We sure. make yes. ourselves look unreal, inhuman. I mean, pores, like down to like. Your pores, like you have to feel bad about everything. Your pores, mm. like you could just get rid of them. Women are obsessed just... with the size of their pores. It's the thing I'm asked about probably more than anything. Is I it... don't, and it's bizarre because, of course, nobody else regards another person's pores. <laughs> Look at the size it's, of your pores. It's, yes, only a thing, pores it's only a thing that people notice Sexy. in themselves. Is it because you to... have to be close up. You have to be looking at mm. them. Mm. The very most that anybody's ever going to do is walk past you, glance in your direction, either think she looks nice or think nothing whatsoever, and then go about their day. At worst, they're not even going to acknowledge you. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the worst. That's they're not the going to go. Girl, look at the fucking pores on women that girl. Have this idea that their pores are so huge and gaping that people <laughs> cannot, just cannot through stop your looking pores. at them. It's not a thing. And like the number of times I say to women at events. It's not a thing. Like nobody has ever looked at your pores. It's not a thing. But it's like it's that I write a lot about it in the book about spots because obviously yes. it's a bit for you. And that whole thing where you're like, oh my god, this is like one of the most freeing things I found for my mental health has been that Sally has been to acknowledge that no one's actually looking. No at one you. cares. No one cares. They're all caught up in their head having their own obsession about yeah. the, the invisible spot on the face that yeah. I can't see. Yeah. yeah, and it is that's a liberating thing. Like every time I think, oh my god, I just said something stupid. Like yeah. no, no, everyone's thinking about what they've just said. Or yeah, and it's and it's um it's that's incredibly freeing. So this strikes me as. A key thing that that you or any woman here or any woman over a certain age can share with young girls. And I'm wondering how you went about translating that. Because the whole point is, right, as you get older, you care less. You are less engaged with other people's views of you or being well. If things are following their mm-hmm. correct and natural course, mm-hmm. you care less. Um, you're certainly less wounded and less obsessive. So I often think that if I could rewind the tape and go back and tell younger me something, it would be, it doesn't really matter. Nobody really cares. Nobody really looks. And if they do, they're not your friend and you can just step away. Mm -hmm. And so was that the piece of wisdom you wanted to pass on that actually don't sweat it too much? Well, I think what happened was I'd got, so when I first sort of quote unquote came out about my mental illness like five or six years ago, I like I literally look back and think of myself as a child and I was like yeah. 32 do you know what I mean 
And I've learned so much in the intervening period. I've been really privileged to be kind of accidentally immersed in the mental health community and kind of meet lots of people and hear their stories. But then realize I got sober nearly two years ago. And I mean, like, you know, people talk of coming of age at like 17. I came of age at 37 when I got sober. Like I realized I was stuck at the age that I'd sort of stopped started drinking which was about 14 and so your development had been arrested when yeah, you started and self-medicating and I was suddenly learning loads Amazing, about myself yeah. and about the world and not just from through therapy and rehab and AA and all of that and the mental health community but also just about you know the way the world is now where you know despite all of this stuff on Twitter we are more inclusive more diverse you know it's an amazing I think it's an amazing actually a really wonderful time to be um, a woman and uh, if you put aside that stuff but um, and I was like I really wanted to put down everything that I'd learned <clears throat> really for myself all the things I wish someone had told me at 12 that I was only now finding out at like 37 38 sort of for me for my daughter for when she becomes a teenager um, and then you know so it's a book for young women but it really it's a book for like the young woman and all of us yes, it, really like, it was a bit like writing it was um a bit like reparenting myself yeah. I felt like that I, I was you? thinking about yeah when I was reading it I, th- I thought about you the author sitting there self-soothing yeah I was totally yeah. self-soothing because mm. there's that line where you talk about how do you feel or how old do you feel yeah I, feel I remember going to rehab yeah. and the, the counselor being saying to me how old how like your age age? and I was like 37 and he was like no no how old do you feel and I was thinking about it actually earlier today because I just came from a 12-step meeting and I bumped into my counsellor who who run the rehab I haven't seen him since basically I left and um and I was remembering going in there and I was like had a hoodie on I was wearing dungarees like I I was basically almost wearing my hair and pigtails do you Mm. know what I mean I totally kind of I just regressed like a small child, yeah. and I, and I, and I realised that I'd just been so desperate not to be me, so terrified of me, and all that, all those feelings of like, I was pathetic and less than, or more too much, or you know, yeah, um, that I'd almost killed me, you know, yeah. and so. It really is. It's it's a book about being you, which is which I can't you know I can't tell you how to be you because you're you. But it was about about realizing that I had that kind of lightning strike moment in rehab that I was all the things I've been most successful at in life. Like uh, my most successful book was about my mental illness, and then I'd done this interview with Prince Harry about his mental health, and he chosen to speak to me because I'd been on a spat my mental illness, and then running the marathon in my underwear and me- I do this thing called Mental Health Mates which is like a walking and talk amazing. where you can mm-hmm. go and be you with other yeah. people like you and I was like oh my god who knew all along the thing I was best at was being me yeah. why didn't no one tell me of course they were Sally and you're right and I'm sure if I rewound but I just wanted to put together everything I'd learned everything I was learning also from young people that I follow you know in the body positive arena or on Instagram I just I just wanted to kind of get it down but it's funny because because as you say, the thing you were best at was being you, but also to use your terminology, it was the flawed you, it was mad you. That mm. was the thing that you were great at, talking about your flaws and the mm. thing, or your perceived flaws and the things that were complicated about you, not the people pleasing things you mm-hmm. probably thought were the things that yeah. mattered. Yeah. Um, you're talking about um, mental health, sometimes very often mental ill health. Mm. You know, you have um, a mental condition mm. with your OCD and your very specific form of OCD. All of these things, which must have felt a hindrance, have actually been hugely contributory to your success, really fulfillment, 
it's quite bizarre that all of the things I was like hugely, I was like dripping in shame about. Like, yeah. I was, I was yeah. Like, you know, shame, that's the thing. The things, things yeah. you were ashamed of. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I wasn't just like, oh, I'm going to get found out because I'm not good at my job, but also people are going to find out what I'm really like. You know, yes. all of those things yes. that when in the, in the end, when I was just like, I can't, I've got to write about, I had to write a column about them. This was way back because I was, I knew intellectually that there were people out there like me because I hear that fucking one in four statistic all the time one in four people have mental yeah. health issues a year i was like i don't seem to meet none i don't meet anyone who identifies <laughs> yeah, where are because they? there's a shame so i i wrote it all down like put it out there because i was like please come if you've got this same thing as me please come and talk yeah. to me and i'll know i'm not mad or i am mad but it's okay yeah it's like <laughs> and so yeah so in the end which set me down this really weird accidental kind of road of mental health campaigning but yeah and I do have these kind of moments where I go wow all the things that I was ashamed of and that are now the things that people sort of like celebrate me for yeah yeah Mm. that was my favorite that was one of my biggest takeaways from from reading your book was that was the sort of lifting of shame Mm-hmm. Um, and just the fact that all of the things that you were, you know, ashamed of or struggled the most with or were trying to hide and mm-hmm. bury were eventually the things that people identify with you the most yes. and has kind of been success. Your success has kind of been connected to those things. Shame is like, right. Shame is incredibly damaging. Absolutely. And it keeps a lot of us I mean, well. it's everything, right? And, and the yeah. other thing, um, just you saying that, Kate, reminds me of uh, Andy Warhol said this great thing about... Uh, he was assessing his artistic abilities and he he felt like he wasn't that great a painter. You know, he was a good draftsman. He used to be draw shoes for uh, big department stores mm-hmm. in New York City. And then he went into silk screening and, and his philosophy was, hey, whatever you're not good at, whatever your weak point is, turn that in. That's your asset yeah. because that's the thing that is mm-hmm. really you and is only you like that your failing can be your selling point yeah and I think we're getting much better at I think I, I remember in my 20s always kind of wanting to be other people or wanting yeah. to be like other journalists mm-hmm. or you know aspiring to be yes. I hate the aspiration thing I'm like be inspired by all means be inspired by mm. someone but don't aspire to be them yes that's that's so important <laughs> yeah but this but like yeah all those things that I found most shameful like I, I say and yeah that like it died like I almost created like shame sound Sandwiches where I just put like one layer of shame under and I'd create oh, yeah. another shame to hide yeah. under. Yeah. And then shame like dies when you expose it to the light. It's like mm. a gremlin. It's like, Wah! or a vampire or something. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, so it's taking the negatives and flipping them and turning them into positives. So why, why children? Why little girls? Because I, I do feel that, I mean, I have kids who are roughly the age you're talking about here. By the way, there's loads in this book. Uh, you got this by Bryony Gordon. There's loads in it that's boys too. I, mm-hmm. yeah. I would happily give it to my sons. There's, I mean, it's really about being a human being. Isn't yeah. it? You know, it's about yeah. being just, a human being of any age and, and you could mm. totally buy it for your sons and they would get a lot out of it. And it might help them understand what girls their age are going yeah, through as but well. there's loads of stuff my sons go through yeah. as yeah. well. It's, there are kind of universal truths in it about being a young person. Mm. Um, but I do think that kids, my kids' age, I know yours is much younger, are more literate in mental health mm. than we were. 
for sure. They talk about the happiness of their peers mm. and the family lives and the circumstances and the learning difficulties and whatever it is of their peers and how that must make mm. Why their is that? Feel. Is that because of social media and and uh, just the general culture? Schools, I think, part, I think, I think pastoral better, care so. is better. Mm. I think pastoral care in schools is better. There is mm. more talk about relationships, friendships and so on. Um, mm. I think when I was at school friendships were just sort of a, a necessity for survival, but I don't think there was ever really um, a qualitative focus on them. And in no. fact, they are the most important thing mm. about being a human being, I would argue, yeah. that yeah. friendships are literally everything and you're never more reliant on them than you are when you're a little Absolutely. kid. And I don't ever feel that conversation took place, but I do think yeah. it happens now. And I think it happens in TV shows and yes. films. Crucially, and in popular culture. Popular just culture. the term mental health, that was, I never heard that. Exactly. When Me I neither. was growing I, yeah. I heard, you know, depression and uh, Prozac were, were things <laughs> that I heard, but I never. Kate's an American. Yes. <laughs> you <Yeah>. could tell. <laughs> yeah. But also, I think that parents are getting much better at this yeah. kind of stuff yes. like if you look at the huge success of philippa perry's book yes people you know we really want to get better at this we don't want to pass down the shit yes. that we got right. handed down <laughs> and i think it's that thing of like we want to hear kids you know we don't necessarily we're not going to doesn't it's not the you know we talk about the snowflake generation it's not like it's not, it's not the same as indul in, like hearing a kid and letting them express their feeling in a healthy way it's not the same as indulging them, no do you right. know what i mean and it's and I think that it's, you know, so they, and I think it's really important. Like, I wish when I was growing up, I had been heard. And I don't blame my parents that no. I wasn't because that was just the culture they were growing yeah. up in. Well, and the very thing we were talking about, that very anonymity we were talking about with Jess Phillips and that sort of terrible keyboard bravery that people have is also hugely beneficial in the mental health yeah. area because so many kids now can find their tribe in a way yes. that if, if oh. someone like you wasn't in your school you were screwed like there was no yes. there yeah. was no resource whereas now you can go online and you can find blogs by kids like you who maybe have funny thoughts mm. that you don't recognize yeah. in other people or people connect with other fans on social yeah. media. You can reach out to other people who perhaps have this peculiarity in their brain as you see it. Mm -hmm. well, and that's powerful, right? To find is. your tribe. And then tomorrow, actually, there's a huge, amazing thing launching called Shout, which is a crisis text line, which they have in America. Um, and it's, but it's specifically a specifically aimed at uh, young people. So it's like a nine 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 for mental mental wow. health. But that's being bought in. Wow. It's like the legacy money from Heads Together. But it's you know there is we are as you say much more literate in it. And actually, weirdly, when I really think about that, you know, because it, actually it's the parents that are they're more worried about their. I actually think that's a kind of way. I imagine, even though it's it's for teenage, for young women, I actually think a lot of people that will buy it and read it will be the parents. Or, you know, sure. I, I've had a lot of messages from people this week going, "I'm 37, <laughs> I read it, and you know, it's it's well, it's very much a cool auntie book. I think if you're like the cool <laughs> auntie and you're turning up to see your nieces, that's what you would take. I've bought it for little girls in my life because. It sort of gives them permission, I think. I want them yes. to have to think about themselves. I yes. want them to have to have those conversations. I like I like how you talk all about masturbation. Yes. That is one of 
my my favorite moment, favorite chapter. Because yeah. that's <laughs> to write. Because um, yeah. you know, speaking personally, I'll just dive into this. Go um, for it. Yeah, um, I found uh, playing with my Barbies very erotic. Oh I was yeah, kind of like role playing. There's and, a lot of that. Yeah, and uh, like who knows where you know what cultural influences were were filtering in and siphoning down in my psyche. But my goodness, those Barbies were up to no good. <laughs> I, it was so funny because on Saturday they were not wearing all of their clothes. No. Just mass orgies. <laughs> just my you mom. know, they liked like, each other a lot. My mum got hold of a copy this weekend, and she said, "Oh, I just um, I got to the bit about um, self pleasure, <laughs> and I feel really bad." That I Your mum said self pleasure. Yeah, I didn't is amazing. talk to you about it. And oh I was yeah, like, don't ruin it, mum. I was like, "Mum, stop it. Why start now?" Yeah. She was like, I need it's just definitely have... too late. There is yeah, definitely yeah, a yeah. window that of opportunity <laughs> where your mother alert. can talk to you about <laughs> wanking, like, and knew, that window is closed. I knew you were doing it. You know, you yeah. were, all, you know, you were a bit flushed in the face, and I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> yeah, this yeah. is terrible. Stop now!" But, I'm like, but that whole thing of like, it's such an intimate thing, and how boys and girls come to it naturally. It's yes. a, a part of um, being wired. Of be, it's, yeah, it's so important to not feel shame. I yes. feel as yes. women, we are, you know, or you know, we're not when we get periods we have to keep quiet about them the curse or you know I'm sick and tired of having to hide a tampon up my sleeve and I, also I'm sick and tired of the fact that the tampon is basically the height of technology when it comes to a period it's a piece of cotton wool with a string attached to it like if men got periods like there would be shows on we'd each week we'd be Steve Jobsing that shit wouldn't we yeah, 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 totally. Clarkson while they were trying out all the different oh, things yeah. you know, and I'm like no we've got to talk about this because the effect it has on a young woman if they think they can't talk about it is that they some core level they feel ashamed of their bodies you know mm-hmm. what I'm disconnected from their bodies and, and I just I just feel like also masturbation is the most you know if you can learn what you like it's all about you know there's later down the line consent like I never ever ever thought for a moment about what gave me pleasure and my for my 20s and most of my 30s it was all about how I could I sacrifice my pleasure for What do other I people. do in bed to look mm. like I know what I'm doing? Yeah, mm. and I'm like, that I do not mm. want for my daughter. I mean, I don't really want to think about that happening. No, no. My daughter, but, but that is so to do with, as well, to do with sex education. In yeah. the, When I was at school and we had sex education classes, there wasn't even mention that a woman orgasmed. It was, yeah. this is what happens when the man ejaculates. This is how right. you can get pregnant. This is how you can <laughs> not get pregnant. There was literally never a mention that there was something going on with the mm. other participants yes yes and now there is well in, in my kids school there is that yeah. and I think that's such a massive leap I mean I'm not being pathetically grateful about it I mean duh it's like really <laughs> like it really needed to it's happen the least they could do yeah, it's the least they, <laughs> it is literally the least they could do yeah. and yet they managed to do less when I was at school <laughs> yeah and I think that masturbation piece is so important and that level of sex education is so important because, as you say, I just think so many girls enter the sexual realm thinking, how do I make the other person feel good about it? How do I make them think, yeah. I'm not a slag, but I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm good enough at it, but not too good at it. You know, how long can I keep it going? Can, what, what's my technique? What do I wear? And all of this stuff. And that's such a burden um, when you could be getting your rocks off. But yeah. I also feel it's still it's still seen as such a like taboo thing. So um, just before the book was published, a supermarket had taken. One, there were a couple of supermarkets that took it, and one and there was a supermarket that took it, and then they 
they, without kind of reading it, they do that quite often. And then they read it and they said, we can't stop this because of the masturbation bit. Oh, We can't stock it in our stores. And I was like, where you probably stock loads of books by SAS heroes over who... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you read all of the books that you have? And did they sell lubricant? Yeah. And condoms? But it was like the thing, there's a piece in in the book about tampons and how I remember going into Boots about a year ago (laughs) and looking to go and buy some tampons and I couldn't find them anywhere. And I eventually... in the in the window was an advert for Viagra because it had just <laughs> gone over the counter. Yeah, right? you and couldn't I, get the morning after pill, but you could get Viagra. I, yeah, that was the thing. I go looking for it, and eventually I find this tiny little section at the back of Boots called Monthly Care, and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, because if you put menstruation or you know, will yeah. it offend the poor yeah. men oh, going to get their Viagra? Yeah. Are you oh, bleeding? Yeah, I'll come out like it's so. And I went on a television show the other week, and they were like, "Can you not talk about the masturbation thing?" What? Yes. And I was like, "Well, oh damn!" And I'm like, "Now I will." I didn't in the end, <laughs> but it was you know, it's like, oh my god, we all do it. it is, we all do. Well, I but do also, it. Also, isn't it just so much healthier? Isn't it so much healthier? to be telling little girls whose hormones are raging, who are, mm. who are into the notion anyway, that's just nature, isn't it so much nicer and more responsible to show them what to do in their bedrooms alone where they're yes. safe and not out with men who could be predatory or with boys who could hurt them? Why would you not consider it to be the safe, responsible choice to talk to them about the safe act, safe, mm. yeah. private, mm. age-appropriate act? Mm. And there must be such a... a sort of a baseline connection between knowing what you like and what is going to give you an orgasm and just your very simple basic this is what I'm interested in in general really like honing it not just sexual pleasure and desires but Mm. what you what you desire overall what do you like to eat what do you like to watch like who who are you what do you want if you can't yeah, do what, that fundamental when, kind of natural when thing kindness. for yourself. When do you feel yeah. safe? What makes yeah. you feel comfortable? What makes you feel supported? Yeah. Or, you know. And being able to tell that to somebody else know, eventually. If you, if you don't know what if you don't know what you like, then mm. you you're less able to say no to the things you know yes. you don't like. Yes. You know, it, it enables you to say no. I'm not doing that. Not now. Not ever. And if you don't respect that, I'm gonna take Bye. your ass to the police. Yeah. yeah. You know that's the. And group. this is the fun. And it. It circumvents the, the, the fundamental design flaw with teenage sexuality in that your hormones and your body are ready before your brain and mm-hmm. your heart. You're just yeah. you're not mm. mentally or emotionally mature enough, but your body is raging to go. Because mm. we're all meant to have babies when we're 16, yeah. right? That's, that's yeah. how we're designed. That's we're we're all meant to start having babies at 16. That is the way our bodies have been designed. But of course, mentally... You're in no yeah. no fit state. <laughs> Still yeah. not in any fit But I'm, I'm so glad that now there are there are books. I think one of the first times I remember reading about uh, female masturbation in a book was in Catelyn Moran's How to Be a Woman, and mm. I was like crying with laughter because it was so funny. Seen and being wanking, to, yeah, applied to a woman. For, I mean, there are whole films like American Pie about a guy fucking a pie. Like there are entire <laughs> films around male masturbation, oh, celebrating and the, it, yeah, yes. celebrating it, and yet if. Now you have supermarkets that are like, well, I don't know, I talk about girls wanking. I'm not sure we can stock yeah, that. Yeah, see, I like, had really? just 17 and Madonna. I was fine for wanking. Oh, um, I found yeah. a, an old copy of um, Fear of Flying by Erica Jong on the uh-huh. beach mm. when I was 12. And that really... Yeah, uh, I used to steal my mom's Ruby uh, Red Jungle Book magazine. Oh, yeah. Head. I think the, like, high, like, the, the most advanced I got was like Judy Bloom. Right. I mean, oh, Judy, yeah, Judy Bloom. Bloom. Can't I mean, not Judy yeah. Bloom. Oh, I, yeah. wish, I wish she would... 
like come back just just yeah. personally just to me and just soothe me it's amazing that, like, those books are sexy. some wank stories yeah. <laughs> wank stories but i oh my god i just i you know especially now when you've got the sort of you know also things like i i was really concerned about the idea of you know hair and how it's you know our bodies are supposed to be completely hair free and i'm like well there's a, there's about a million and one reasons why we have hair and there's only one reason why we shouldn't have it which is because apparently someone finds it mm. looks sexy in um you know a porn movie and it's just you can see the way culture is sort of changing and i don't know it's it's like i'm like love me love my bush you know yeah right just i don't know how i got onto that well, well see, I'm i vain. think that was a natural see, next see, I'm step vain. i i don't do i don't do a big bikini wax because it makes no. your thighs look fat i i have i have <laughs> never just, had really a bikini wax in my life i just haven't oh it's and really I, unpleasant. I had one yeah, how'd that go? It's super unpleasant. I don't, like, I'm also like, if you're staring at my bikini line, like, what's wrong with you? Like, there are other, like, I, I, I had to go on stage in my underwear at the weekend. Oh, yeah. Um, and I was fine with it. And I got this kind of like, oh, shit, I haven't done my bikini line. I haven't, like, taken a, a rusty old razor to it. <laughs> I always remember you telling me, was it you that told me to, to, to get a bikini wax before you went into labour? I don't know why I think it was you. It's probably because oh, I saw know. you about a day before I went into labour. Anyway, that's another story entirely. Um, uh, I did see but, you And I thought, no, to. I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not, what, like, what? who cares? Like, it's like the poor thing. They're all sitting, like. I would say they're not going to be zoned in, like, is that a hair? Like, they're. Yeah. And if who could see I that? definitely didn't wax prior to labour, so it probably wasn't me. Uh, and they haven't even thought roots. about that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, it is. You end up it's having an emergency C-section. Right. It's an unpleasant experience. Mm. It's not. Um, I, I feel like I've earned the right not to have them. Yeah. Um, at my age, was having a daughter instrumental in making you write this book? I think just having a child has been instrumental in me getting better. Um, I don't. I'm always in huge awe of people who get sober, for example, in their twenties, who don't. You know, whose friends are all still out there doing it. Yeah. And. Um, I mean, it didn't, I really thought that, I, I thought, and this is embarrassing, I thought the moment I got married and had a kid, my life would be sorted and everything would be fine. Be a real grown-up. Yes. That'll get grown you up. every time, that plan. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it took me a while to get my shit together and I probably still haven't. Um, but I, yeah, I was like, I can't, I just can't allow her to grow up with the same, uh, you know, feelings of shame. That, that is so kind. So even That's if she, so kind. Even if she, you know, she probably will. I'm pretty sure she's, you know, crazy as I am. Um, and that's fine if she has if she becomes an alcoholic if she don't like quote me on the, don't actually dig this out it's okay no one can hear you um, <laughs> no one's listening you know, but that's fine. fine like I'm not I don't want I don't you know I accept that these things might happen but I want her to be able to come to me and talk to me in the same way that she would yeah. if she'd like got a headache or yeah you know a stomach ache or something um I, we'll see how it pans out but I just was like I don't I don't want her growing up feeling the same like just that sense of wanting to slither out of your own skin mm -hmm. um so yeah I sort of initially get better for her but really I d I've done it for me yeah and yeah. and also unless you do it for you you can't be there for her yeah that's, yeah well that's the thing that's like the point, I, right relationships family everything mm. if, if you're not okay then no one's relationship with you is okay mm. yeah and it's also but it's really made me understand 
I just, oh my God, I shudder. I shudder to think what my mum went through. I'm like, if my daughter is a teenth as badly behaved as I am, she's on a leash until she's like 43. <laughs> you see that programme the other day on ITV where they let them go and try and, f- these little children, they set them off to go and find the London Eye by themselves. What? Oh, it was all about like, if a child, and um, and they obviously had people kind of watching from afar. And then there was like, what age, oh, all the t- daytime television. How old like, are they? What, they were like six, seven. Oh, oh my I was like, gosh. what age would you allow your child out independently? And I'm like, 43? Even then, at a push, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I wasn't far off that when I literally was in the middle of central London wandering about on my own. No experiments on me. No, no hidden child protection services oh around the corner gosh. for me. I was just wandering around. Oh. Uh, let's. Uh, put a record on and when we come back we'll talk some more but You Got This by Bryony Gordon is out now and it's in the top ten isn't it? Children's books yeah well done here we go Not that you need me to tell you, but that was Aretha Franklin with respect. <laughs> Can I please talk about something that has been very much on my mind for the past few weeks? Big cultural story, the play Accidentally Brave. Accidentally Brave. <laughs> <laughs> Katie is so excited. Katie is locked and loaded. She loves it. She's excited. I can't wait. Did you say it's coming to, to Britain? It's there is to, talk of it talk coming, of to, coming the, to Just you, for you, Okay. Said. For anybody listening who hasn't been keeping abreast of the story, and it hasn't been everywhere, um, but big piece in the New York Times, I think the New Yorker, the Guardian, various broadsheets um, have covered it. Can you fill in the gaps for us, Katie? What are we talking about here? Uh, an actress by the name of Maddie Corman. She's coming up to 50 years old. I think she's a TV actress in, and I guess theatrical actress in America. Um, she had an ugly shock one day when uh, she got a call from the cops, or maybe it was her husband, just saying, yeah, we've got your husband. We're, you know, we're arresting him because it's been discovered that he has been enjoying and distributing child pornography. So, uh, And they have two children, uh, three children, actually, two boys and a, an older girl. And um, so that's all very untoward and unsavory and unpleasant. And usually I think the standard uh, way these things go is that probably that uh, precipitates the breakdown of the marriage and the husband probably goes to prison and then the wife and the kids try and pick up the pieces. Not in this case. No. <laughs> uh, the husband got off pretty uh, lightly with uh, 10 years probation so he didn't go to prison and some sex addiction treatment I believe that old beauty it was like for a month and a half that that classic treatment sex addiction treatment and then um, she decided to pick up the pieces in that good old fashioned American uh, way uh, using good old fashioned American ingenuity by turning her turning lemons into lemonade by uh, devising a one-woman show about the experience, hmm. and um, in doing so, and this is this is the bit that seems a little problematic um, with us judgy people. Maybe I'm just a little too judgy. <laughs> um, in doing so, she sort of 
turns it into a story about herself and, and turns herself and her family and her husband kind of into the heroes of the story. Like, hey, we all make mistakes. We're all human. But we're going to stick together and be a family. But meanwhile, other people are going, uh, <clears throat> what about the children who were victimized by your husband as he distributed this pornography? These children who are victims of rape or sexual assault and this this assault has been the documented. children as young as two i believe yes um there are high profile members of the theatrical and film community in america tweeting about how incredible a piece mm. of work this is what an incredibly um, it went on in new york city is that right yes yeah. i believe it's like an off-broadway very highbrow kind of production mm. and uh, people like ben stiller and, and various others saying what an oh, extraordinary yeah. piece of work is it is and what an insightful um emotionally intelligent piece of work it is and and maybe it is but there's so much about it that makes me cross. I'm annoyed that it's called Accidentally Brave because it implies that she is the victim in this piece, that yeah. the author is the victim in this piece, and not the many children um, who appear in the pornography, which actually we don't even call it child pornography anymore. It's it's sexual exploitation of a minor because pornography implies some kind of, you mm. know, Little cultural cons- consent, yeah. consent or, and yeah. cultural event. Yes. And or like so it's just a category, yeah. It, 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 it places herself and her struggle at the, at the centre of this as victim, but also she has done a considerable amount of press and publicity for this work. And in nothing I've read has she talked about victims. In nothing I've read has she talked about the fact that children's lives will undoubtedly have been ruined, Mm. um, exploited, damaged in this way. She just talks about what a horrible experience she and her children have been through. And as a mum, absolutely, I can see that we are wired, that your first reaction would be, oh, my God, my husband's a paedophile, my poor children, what's happened Mm. to them? But don't make your press campaign about you and your family as victims without well, talking about I think, the true victim. I think I'm all for rehabilitation and forgiveness and all of that. But I think you really do, in order to do that properly, you really need to acknowledge the people that you've hurt in the process. Yeah. Or people who have been hurt in the process. And that isn't just her. That's, you know. And I find it, it's a... <sighs> You know, it's a, it's a really tricky it's one. But you, it, shocking, it, it's it? like an American survival st- uh, um, tactic. Interesting, yeah. Uh, gone AWOL because Americans yeah. are, are known, I mean, quite adorably and in an admirable fashion for um, picking themselves up, dusting themselves off, you know, it looking failure in the face and, and doing something positive, you know, rebranding themselves, which is a good... Uh, quality to have and good skill set to have, but not if you're erasing uh, something as heinous as this child exploitation. And why is she, I don't know, why is she trying to hold on to this cat, great catch of her husband? I feel like you can't, she won't, I mean, and again, I don't want to be judging because I don't know the woman, I haven't seen the play, but I don't think you can heal properly from what has happened to you as a, you know, as the wife of someone like this without properly acknowledging the the darkness that has Quite gone so. on there, yeah. and you know, I uh, so I feel like there's there's probably a huge amount of denial and stuff, and just I agree. Like I can get on like, with life. I totally agree. I agree with both you and Katie 
around that because it feels to me like as a piece of work it's a tactic of avoidance like mm. it's not looking at the thing it's it's trying to kind of go around the thing instead of through the Absolutely. thing and look at the wrong aspects of it and he's gone into um he, he, he's gone into treatment and he says he's a sex addict so okay let's take that face value say he's gone into say a 12-step program for argument's sake okay, let's he is, yeah. part of that process is with no disclaimers, no caveats. It's about apologising to... Well, it's making amends. It's That's about one of the amends. steps. Mm. But also, like, you know, actually, what annoys me as someone who uses 12-step programmes myself is that, you know, one of the whole... You know, one of the tenets of 12, the 12-step programme is forgiving yourself, that you were not a bad person. You were, you were an unwell person who occasionally did bad things, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that's really crucial actually he he has done bad things that are illegal and i hate it when people who are criminals go men male who male sexual predators Mm -hmm. say i'm a sex addict because it's incredibly offensive to people that actually have problems who use people as their higher powers who become upset you know we saw harvey weinstein go into sex addiction but also you're completely undermining anyone who does genuinely have that problem because there are actually lots of people out there who use sex as a tool but they don't actually but they still don't cross the line of raping raping people what i what i know because there are actually plenty of ways you can get your kicks without raping people yes what i think is really interesting too is that now he's um he's been super punished and he's now working on a new documentary called tsunami about the destructive forces of pornography and he says you've had the worst thing you've ever done exposed to the entire world it was incredibly painful and incredibly destructive but it allowed me to reinvestigate the way i lived my life well See, you know he's an expert this, now yeah so this this for me is the crux of what's pissing me off okay yeah. so he is describing the event as something that was very painful for him and then and everyone it is, knew it is it has allowed him to do something. I don't care about his process. Nope. I, I, I completely believe people can change. I yes. completely believe that people should get the support and the help that they need. But he is not also, the central figure. Also, it's like I when you have people that have been involved in knife crime and gangs and then they go and teach people, you know, they go and educate kids about why you shouldn't do that. And that's one thing. He's not, he's going and it's all about him, him, yes. him, him, him. Yes. If he went and did a documentary whereby he actually went and spoke, I don't know, spoke to forensic scientists or, talking yeah. about you know what is the drive why do people do that i mean i am interested oh, sure, like yeah. what is because there is a sick there is a real sickness there yes. you know and also are they i mean i'm sure i'm about to say something really ignorant so um, let's all enjoy this but um <laughs> he with sex addiction do you ever really recover from it i mean if you're if you if you do the talking cure aren't isn't it just a bunch of Peters in a circle so getting off se- on it. So sex addiction is in, like any kind of form of addiction. And it is where it's that thing of avo- changing the way you feel through sex. Some people do it through alcohol. Some people do it through cocaine. Sure. Some people do it through food. So it is it is like a way of getting out of your head. You don't really recover. You are in recovery. Like I, you never mm. get cured. Do you know what I mean? No. Well, the, the but idea you with any... 
yeah. talking therapy is that you can't change how you feel, but you are responsible for your actions. Yes. To, so you take yeah. responsibility for your feelings, you sit with them and you get through them without having to do that thing. But also it is, it is, it is, there's a sort of humility. There's a, at the, tw- the heart of all 12 step programs is a real humility and it's accepting, do you know what I mean? Your place and what you've done and taking responsibility for that. And that does not seem to me like a man who's taking well, responsibility. It's, it's a nakedness, isn't it? That therapy. It's a, you, you're standing there naked and starting again. You're kind of building yourself back up. And it feels to me as though these two have embarked on this process that fits a narrative they're comfortable with. Well, yes. And also what the first thing she says that her first question for her husband when she spoke to him after he was caught was to say, did you ever touch a child? And he swore blind that he never did. But and then that was enough for her. But meanwhile, he's virtually touched them i mean who even knows if he was telling the truth about that yeah. but he's well, other people's children have been violated yes, yes other people's because children of him. yes yeah i think too when she said something about okay well usually when things like this happen people just go away but not us we're fighting it's just like well maybe I'd you like should you fucking go away, go away. like go i don't away. think that this mm. is something where you just kind of take a brief pause and then you go look we're all together still look at how we've rebuilt our lives it's like yeah. no you've probably kids? destroyed like, like it's, it, and also such... who fucking cares about you and your husband <laughs> like, yeah yes. i just but that's ugh. such that's such a true thing i've always thought in my journalism because obviously like Bryony, i mainly write in the first person mm-hmm. and i write about my experiences and my rule has always been I'm, I'm never going to write about breaking news, right? I only want to write about something when I've reflected on it, when I've been through it and I have thoughts and I'm able to have some distance from it. Otherwise, Not a one-woman play. I, and and I, I'm completely cool with other people doing it, but I can't do it. I need to take a moment and see, look at it as a whole before I can write about it. With these people, I feel like they're writing about breaking news as a way of avoiding the process they need to, yep. to embark mm. on. They put themselves on this train where they're mm. talking about the thing that happened to them without ever talking about the thing that they inflicted on others and what they do now, what this means for their family. It's all about, well, if we say it, we're dealing with it. But no, actually, do go away. Please go away. I believe <laughs> I believe that you can be treated. I believe that yeah. you can change. I'm down with that. That's cool. I'm not saying hang them up. You know, yes. I'm saying go and do it. But please go and do it somewhere else. And yes. don't profit from it. Yes. Don't mm, sell a script. Don't want... take ticket sales. Exactly. Don't get celebrities talking about how brave yeah. you are. Go away. Don't she, call she, yourself brave. Like, yeah, well, that's the thing. She, please she, don't do that. She talks about, you know, that they're addressing these taboos. They're breaking taboos and, you know, there's a taboo as if they are, they deserve a cookie for yeah. this. And I looked at, I had a look across a lot of the uh, comments in the New York Times article. And it's very sobering because there's people who were victims of child abuse, child yeah. sexual abuse. And they're weighing in. They're saying, well... Uh, I can't really see anything good coming out of this uh, project of hers uh, unless perhaps she's donating and her husband are donating all the profits to to child abuse. Yeah. Uh, 100%. 100%. Actually, there is a kind of, in my head, a pecking order of taboos. And the taboo yes. that I really want to smash first is... There's, you know, it's, it's a shame that surrounds victims yeah. Yeah. of uh, yeah. child sexual abuse. Like, we haven't even done that yeah. yet. And I, am, and I am culture. interested in what it must... I, I mean, I'm not, you know, like, what, you know, the, 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 the other victims, do you know what I mean? But yeah. I, 
I think that there's something really sinister and a bit Stepford Wivesy about the kind oh, of so Stepford Wivesy. Yeah, like oh, yeah. I just, I just think I just want to kind of, I almost look at it and want to kind of take them away, like the the, yes. the wife and the kids, yes. and just kind of go, just go, go just, into this, just just yeah, like yeah. step away from. Yeah. It. I totally. think it's very hard for women to read a story like this. I think you know, lots of us have had friends who've been in abusive relationships, mm-hmm. controlling relationships, mm-hmm. violent relationships, and we're able on some level to mm-hmm. understand how they've ended up in a situation where they feel they can't leave they're scared to or their confidence has been eroded to such a degree but this is the one for me where I'm like nah Mm. Uh, how yeah. it's the bit I can't understand but also, how do you the, stay the, with a man who has watched child rape but for his also own enjoyment that, that mm. thing do you ever where, sleep with him again no no she's that's so the other thing like, I don't know but there's obviously some really serious well, d- dark sh- there's like you know all sorts of mind control like there's a lot of psychological damage yeah. well you know the mind there. control really is the mind control she's doing on herself because she through her actions, through what she's saying, and through this project, and hit play, go buy tickets, Ben Stiller. Um, she is normalizing this because she needs to. Because yes. she, if she had to confront how broken and dark and wrong this is, and the, and what he did uh, to these children, and the, the fact that she's normalizing it, I mean, it's a little bit like what's going on in America with Trump, where people that who are in the government who normally would be appalled at this behavior. They're rallying around to support him because that would almost cast that delegitimizes their own position. And she's it almost seems like she doesn't want to delegitimize the fact that she chose this man to be her partner. I think and it's a very privileged perspective as well. It's a very kind of white liberal New Yorker perspective that you can place yourself as the Mm -hmm. kind of victim in this piece. Yes. Imagine the horror of of discovering that your rich showbiz husband was looking at children being raped oh god mm. what like how could you stay i, I just but how don't... could you ever have sex no. i don't know no, how you could yeah. stay with no. maybe they weren't having sex anyway and this but like, is... i can't i just can't i couldn't no no no, no. And, and and the thing is too is i'm like you know what actually i am interested in your story yeah. i am interested in in maybe his rehabilitation but you are not there yet you are not yeah. in a sort mm. of we have really dealt with this and healed and addressed the victims of the there it's just so lopsided it's and strained it's like no 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 activity yeah and it's so yeah. i don't want to ever be like shut up don't tell your story but right now maybe yes shut up and don't share your story I'm because it's of- not been fully cocooned well, yet. Yeah, it's not been healed especially when there is actually like criminality there are, there are actually exactly yeah. Criminal criminality he's involved. a registered it's a sex offender it's, it's, not not like, it's not like talking about your story of you know I don't know of alcoholism or do you know what no. I mean? something like that in which no. the only person you've really harmed is yourself yeah. do you know what I mean it's yes. like you've actually harmed other people uh-huh. here I do yeah. admire her gumption though because she just decided to get ahead of the story you know she I mean that, that I mean all, she's got some hurtsball totally that's <laughs> yeah. sort of like a, it's a real story for today isn't it yeah Yeah, it really is yeah yeah she's like okay you know the person who tells this story first is the person who's going to shape the narrative and i'm gonna gosh darn well shape this narrative it's a bit like the sun ringing you up and saying we're going to bring you out of the closet so do you want to do an exclusive (laughs) it's that it's trying to get ahead of the game and i i get it but as you know say briny who's written about her addictions that's her story Mm -hmm. to tell what you can't do is direct the narrative when it's not your story mm. to tell. I think that story belongs to those victims first yeah. and foremost. Mm. Yeah. And she is not the victim here. No. She has suffered and her family has suffered. And her husband is clearly not the full quid in many ways, but they are a secondary 
important. Exactly. I have a um, prurient curiosity about how this. Um, their own children are I was doing. just thinking I mean, about that. I just right. like some yeah. serious Two of them still live at home with them and then yeah. it's just the older daughter who's away at, at university. Yeah, because I read that right. and, like she's away and I'm Le- thinking, yeah, it. stay away. Yeah, legged it, totally. I would be more receptive to a story by them when they're adults because yeah. they truly are victims. Yeah. His children truly yeah. are victims. Yes. They, they weren't raped, abused and molested as far as we know, but they also are victims because mm. they had no choice in the matter and they are children and yeah. they will be no doubt bullied and teased and criticised for their unwitting and f- Yes, and further thrust into the spotlight that they don't want by this yeah. play. Yeah. 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 So you've, doubly, you've doubly done them over. Yeah, you know? right. It's like right. as if that wasn't a ba- bad enough what Dad did. Now you're having to. Well, now having you're to having a Broadway moment. Well, play a Hollywood about it. gloss on his paedophilia. <laughs> Thank you. Now you're Christ. having a Broadway moment, and Ben Stiller. <laughs> it's not a musical. Yeah. It's a world tour. <laughs> yeah. This yeah. is not jazz hands. Yeah. Let's yeah. not do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's put a record on when we come back. You don't own me. Just one of your many toys You don't own me Don't say I can't go with other boys And don't tell me what to do don't You don't own me it's a good sentiment, isn't it, for any woman, especially little girls. Um, I want to talk about a very special little girl in a minute. But before we do that, please, Kate, will you tell us about the scandal that is sweeping Mumsnet and the internet this week? I'd it's being to. called Nappy Gate. <laughs> Ooh, sounds good. Yeah, it's really exciting. Um, so <laughs> a, a Mumsnet user called Cat Size hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. She was at a cafe and she looked over and there was a mum changing her baby's nappy just right there on the table. This mum's net user claims that there was nothing wrong with the changing facilities. I think they were at an art gallery, actually. Art gallery cafe, cafe yes. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there was nothing wrong with the facilities, and yet this mum chose to uh, change her baby's nappy, which the mum said, it's just a bit of wee. Um, so it wasn't a poopy nappy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she decided just to, you know, change it right there on a cafe table and uh, defended it by saying it was just a bit wee. And so this user went on to Mumset and said uh, that she found it disgusting. This, bit grim, she said. This grim. prompted um, a number of tweets mm. from others who had been sitting in cafes and had seen babies have their nappies, pooey and wet nappies, changed on tables in restaurants. Yeah, and pubs. And it became quite a polarising subject I online just, i just feel people get people get their nappies in a twist over <laughs> other people too much like literally what like unless the baby was pissing in your face and do you know what i mean like i don't really care like i don't know what i that, care i don't know what that woman don't that woman had been through that morning don't shit where you eat i mean well, have you ever that heard is a literal that? that is the golden i think that was in the bible i think that is in the bible that's yeah. in the unredacted first, first page. bible first page um I, Okay, I guess the pee, it's pee and not poo, but no, I, I just feel like that 
we are t- in a tacit social contract with each other. We all share the world together. And sure, it'd be great to be a Tasmanian devil and just go blah, 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 and just let it all hang out. Um, but sure. it, that makes it horrible for everybody else. And at a certain point, we need the goodwill of our fellow man and woman. So I feel like... If you can walk four steps to the left to the apparently pristine... It was 10 paces. 10, 10 paces. paces away, full changing facilities. That, they were pristine, she okay. said. Just go do that. Maybe she was so shocked by the pristine services. She <laughs> yeah. couldn't believe she, yeah, she said, that no, this rare. can't be real. This must be a mirage. I, I think... I mean, I, I'm more puckrick than Gordon here, I have to say. I think if I was you in... You'd just be you, Hughes. You'd be you. <laughs> I think if you I was this. in a cafe, if I was in a cafe or a restaurant and a very kind of harassed, tired-looking mum turned to me and said, there's nowhere to change my baby, do you mind? I'd go knock yourself right. out. Yeah. I'd be like, absolutely. I'll, do you want me to help? Do you want me to hand you anything? Completely that, because that is also part of the tacit goodwill agreement that we have with the universe. However, if there are pristine changing facilities, 10 steps away and you choose to change a dirty nappy at an eating place in front of everyone and then have the gall as this person did to say are you a mother so this mother said to um the woman who's yeah cat size (laughs) don't know why she cat sizes on mum's net if she doesn't have it but anyway i don't know enough who knows other than they hate me uh, so <laughs> the woman doing the changing asked if I was a mum. Instead of saying what difference would that make, I said I had two children. Sorry. She said she didn't realise I was watching. I said it was more of a hygiene thing and it put me off my lunch. But yeah. this sort of accusation, have you got children, Ugh. as though anyone with children would do the same and then and the only person who would ever have a problem would be somebody who didn't have children, I think it's absurd. I have two children and I would have a problem with it, I think. I don't have children and my general feeling is that I think there's some context missing with this. I think if, like you said, if I were um, at a cafe and a woman came up with her baby and is like, ah, oh, the changing facilities here are horrible because usually they are horrible. Um, could you mind if I just do this here? I'd be like, yeah, sure. I wouldn't be like, is it one or two? Um, I'd be like, okay, yeah, no, whatever, fine. Do, you do you. Um, we all know what a gross toilet is the, like, right? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I have been on a plane where somebody changed a very, very disgusting diaper, um, just in, just at their seat, um, stood up in the aisle and just did it there. And I was like, okay. And I wouldn't have cared if it didn't. You know how the air circulates on a plane? It's gross. Ugh. That's what we it's were really experiencing. It's really bad. Yeah. That, so that was quite bad. Um, <laughs> but I just, I, I, I just have a lot of questions. I have so many questions. It's a broader issue here though the sort of use of shared public space for individual for eating well there are lots of things that people get annoyed about and for me it's a scale I I did lots of um, radio shows recently about these moves to make it illegal to watch explicit pornography on yes. public transport because it had happened to me and it and it's really common you send out one tweet about this and you'll get thousands of yep. people saying i see it all the time i remember when you wrote your column yeah and so i wrote my column about it i did lots of radio around it because there are talks of changing the law and so on now that to me is offensive 
Yes. But if I put my makeup on on the train, some people tut at that, and I think that's absurd because I'm not in their space. I'm not. I'm not shedding anything on them. I wouldn't spray anything that got up their nose. But it's a sliding scale, isn't it? It is. Mm. I'm irritated by people who play music through their phones without headphones or oh, watch that's unacceptable. YouTube. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who watch YouTube clips? Where are our limits? I wouldn't bat well, an eyelid about breastfeeding, for example. No. Yeah, but, but breast- poo or pee in a in a eatery yeah yeah that's found my limit that's a bridge too yeah. far and a lot of these are things that are specific to women right i remember yeah uh, maybe three or four Good years point. ago there was that whole trending hashtag thing about women people were taking photos of women eating on the tube and there was a whole yeah, facebook that page creepy, around yeah. it so Ew. creepy so it's like you can't do your makeup you can't eat uh and then well, okay you, you can't breastfeed i do my makeup on the tube all the time i don't know oh, I, I, think, I do it every day i don't ma- i don't care per se i what i do care about is when i get elbowed in the ribs because they desperately need a seat to do <laughs> to do their makeup so i'm like okay fine but that's yeah, just no, morning just commuting like hell yeah. you know um I, I don't care you do whatever you want you i know. did once accidentally flick a load of fat like it was like a clicky foundation pen uh-huh. <laughs> was on the bus. Uh-huh. and i was like clink, clink, and i don't know how it happened but it went it and it was this bloke sitting next to me in like a pristine suit oh, and i did i was like enemy i'm just gonna have to get up and get off because yeah you haven't noticed t- either yeah. Yeah. I noticed. And i was like what oh, do i do i think i would it. also not have said anything I think I would have been too scared no. yeah half I once did my makeup on the tube and a woman said excuse me and I thought she's going to tell me off she went what did you just do what did you just use but I, get you that all the time. I, I love like, you look good now I mean there's I this weird the you must because this is the thing is that like I think women like to watch other women doing their makeup just out mm-hmm. of a pure curiosity thing like Oh, is that how you put on your eyeliner? Well, that's like, why oh, YouTube makeup that? tutorials are so gosh darn Absolutely. successful. Yeah, but um, as far as changing a dirty diaper next to me, I don't want to watch someone do that. I'm not. I'm not interested in yeah. that. Not, not on YouTube. That's and a, not in the next table. Uh, over. How to change your nappy tutorial? Yeah, yeah. I think it's a no from me. Yeah. I, I suppose for me the thing I resent and you do hear it a lot is this implication of well if only you had children you'd understand what it is to, to find it difficult to find mm. a space to what you need to do and it's, I just find it such a kind of arrogance and it's patronising it is patronising I, I think I don't really care Like I, I have got to the point where life is too short to then to go back home and to log onto my computer <laughs> and to sign in as cat's eyes and go, is it just me? Or I'm like, like there's just so many other things well, I'd rather be doing, like wanking. Yeah. Or she doesn't have, those are very that's, sensible That's priorities. why I never leave comments. I'm just too busy wanking. Or wanking while watching Game yeah. of Thrones. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, but yeah, there are as whole threads on social media of people talking about my idol. <laughs> <laughs> and then doing a one-woman show about it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, can we we only have a few minutes left so I would really like to talk because we've been talking about you got this Bryony Gordon's uh, new book for young young teens would you say I, I it feels to me like a book for kind of 10 to 14 it's ages 12 to 200 <laughs> yeah there's certainly a lot in there for adults but you you kind of I, I think as a writer you always have someone you're talking to right yeah. and were you talking was, to you at 12 or yeah sort of 11 12 yeah, yeah, me at 37, which is the same <laughs> thing know. as me at, at 11 and 12, yeah. And so it's quite timely that this book has just come out because it's about the extraordinary things that you can do just by being yourself as mm-hmm. a young girl. And quite an extraordinary young girl who has now been nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. Um, 
is Greta Thunberg. And what's particularly pertinent about her in terms of your book is that Greta Thunberg is autistic. Yeah. And so much has been made in the past couple of weeks um, about her mental condition, I suppose, her psychological mm. condition, her health, her mental health, um, and whether she is entitled to be part of the protesting of Extinction Rebellion and whether she's a suitable figurehead for that movement. Ha- that must have touched a nerve with you. She also has really crippling obsessive-compulsive disorder, I think, as part of her diagnosis. It did touch a nerve, and also, especially because I realise, actually, people who have experienced... I always think mentally people who've experienced mental illness make the best campaigners the best best marathon they're like really they can tough it out they're like i've Mm. been through worse than this so i will go and stand up on a stage and shout about you know how you're ruining the planet for me because i've sat in a room for four days by myself in the dark right you know like actually she's a she's a you know she's a great poster girl for what poster woman poster person for what you can do you know despite all of this stuff yeah and how you don't need to be limited by your diagnoses and the idea that you know the 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 right taking it on going oh she's being exploited or she no she's she's what she's doing is she's she's doing what feels right to her and she is acutely aware of what it feels like to be in pain and so i can't think of someone who better for the extension extinction rebellion um, movement and, and you know what's so great though is it's not even despite uh, having uh, autism and this other uh, syndrome which I've never heard of before selective mutism mm. um, but it's actually because of it yeah. yes. because yes. Um, as she explains herself she can't you know she'd be in class you know when she was 12 or 13 with her schoolmates watching clips and films about uh, what's going on with climate change and the environment and the damage to planet Earth and everyone would be moved by it but she, out of all of her classmates, couldn't shake it because of the way she focuses, hyper-focuses on Mm. things. She couldn't shake it. She became an evangelical climate change warrior to her parents like first of all they were like just get over it kids shut up about it and she wore them down you know her mom decided okay my career is important as a singer but i don't want to take airplanes anymore and her dad Mm. turned Mm -hmm. into veganism and she because she is so single-minded because she's aided by her 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 mental um health her mental Mm. situation that made her a really fantastic spokesperson. And also her extraordinary ability to retain information, which yes. isn't yeah. my reading of it. This, is, this also, has been stated by professionals in relation to her. The way she speaks so knowledgeably and so yeah. eloquently and so um, articulately about a very complex issue is testament to her incredibly, incredible ability to hold on to these facts and, mm information but for a lot of people yeah i hear a lot of people talking about how activism is actually something that's really good for their mental health so like scarlett curtis for example spoke about how feminism got her out of a really dark hole when she couldn't leave the house Mm -hmm. for years as a teenager and also this idea that you hear a lot is actually that doing service helping other people brings you about yourself connecting with other people is is one of the best things Mm. you can do for your mental health like we hear about how addiction is the opposite of connection all mental illnesses want you isolated and alone Mm. that's what Mm. they want so Mm. the ability to get out connect with people and Mm -hmm. feel like you're doing something is one of the most wonderful things you can do for your own spirit you know she says this herself she said that she was suffering from depression for years 
And once she made this uh, contract with the project of saving planet mm-hmm. Earth, spreading the word, she, she, the, the word she uses all the time is fun. It's mm-hmm. fun. It's hard work. It's, you know, 12, 15 hour days because mm-hmm. I'm going to school, but I'm also writing letters and I'm giving speeches and I'm writing speeches and I'm striking in front of parliament. And um, but it's fun. I love that. Yeah, yeah. I know the fact I love that, that she would choose to not speak for so long with the selective muteness, and then yeah. be able to give up and give a keynote speech about something that she's so passionate yeah. about. She says she's oh. not thrown by. She's not frightened at all no. because she's so focused. Yeah, on, she has the focus. Yeah, yeah. she's she's got her mission. She does. So I do, I do right? think as well. And she's an extraordinary girl. She's just fifteen, but I do think as well she's been an incredibly useful sorting hat for the people of Twitter. Right. In that yeah. if, you're, if you're a if you're a middle aged white man and you are slagging off a fifteen year old get fucked child with <laughs> get autism, in the bin. get in the bin. You must simply climb into the bin and not get, come out. And just hold that <laughs> lid down. She's a fifteen year old. Autistic schoolgirl. I think if she's your hate figure for the month, like really your ass is hanging out to such a mortifying degree. She is really separating the men from the boys. She's a sorting hat for sure. For sure. A sorting hat, sorting bin. (laughs) (laughs) Which one are you in? (laughs) But but like also, I think Matt Haig always says that, you know, caring about the environment is caring about your own mental health as well. Like it is also I wish that they just you know, if we, left or right, we all benefit from this. Yeah, and I wish yeah. we focus more on the economic benefit because that'll get to the Quite right way. Right, that's of, all they care of about. Being more, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, eco-friendly because it's you save yourself a load of money. I just, yeah. don't, I just, it just boggles my mind how everyone's like, "Oh, extraordinary weather we're having lately." It's like, yeah. Yes, exactly. I'm, that's glad the I'm glad they've switched from global warming to climate change because global yeah. warming gave was like carte blanche for people like Donald Trump to go. Yeah. Well, it's freezing cold where I am. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's not yeah. how it works. That's yeah. not oh, how I it feel works. like I'm on the so, holiday all the time. Quite, I'm not complaining. Yeah, like oh, we had a heat wave last My year. My tan's Brilliant. natural now. Yeah. <laughs> Climate change. That's I think is a you know a much better term. Absolutely. She's extraordinary in a good, cheerful way to end. Uh, Bryony, what's next for you? This book is caning it. So what else is happening? You still have your podcast. Oh, I've got, yeah. Well, oh, what else am I doing? Oh, I'm doing this um, run at the end of this month in London, which is you can still sign up to do, ladies. The Vitality (laughs) 10K Celebrate You. We've got a thousand women signed up doing it in their underwear. Um, yes. We've got cancer. We've got people with terminal cancer. So it's people with all body experiences kind of reclaiming their bodies. So that's that's the next thing. Cool. Um, and and then after this, I'm going to therapy. Yes, mate. <laughs> Not because I need, and I haven't just like booked it in just after. It really it's was your there. day. It was my day. Yeah. yeah. And I'm then, on Monday. And then another book, probably. Yes. Are you able to tell us anything about I it? I think it, I'm, it's going to be about like the holes in our souls and how we try and fill them. Hmm. Yes, Katie, what's going on with you? Lots of six music. Uh, yeah, a little bit of six music. But the thing that I'm really hot and bothered about is my upcoming two part documentary in June yes. on BBC four on the subject of yacht rock. I can go for that. The smooth sound of yacht rock mm. two parter uh, first uh, airing on the 14th and the second part is on the 21st. And it's all about that uh, mid 70s to mid 80s <gasps> blue eyed soul. It's dream Oaks. programming. I this is dream. Doobie Brothers, Programming. Steely Dan, and I, and it's all about my relationship to it. 
uh, growing up in America in the 60s and 70s and the way the music tied into what was going on in politics and culture and society. I feel like States. you've made this for me. So this is uh, BBC Four. BBC Four on the 14th and the 21st of June. Oh, that so would be brilliant. Two, two Friday nights in a row. So that will be absolutely brilliant. And then, and then also <laughs> along, they're going to be rerunning on Radio 2 my three-part um, uh, Yacht Rock series that, I, that I've did over the past few years. So they're going to be running that whole season. So it's going to be Yacht Rock a go-go everywhere you look. Absolutely love it. That's going to be amazing. We're going to play out. Not, I wish I had some Yacht Rock signed right. up, but we're going to play out with um, some Lizzo. But in the meantime, thank you. We'll see you next month. Bye. Kate Sevilla and I say thank you. Thank you, Bryony Gordon. Thank you. Thank you. Katie Puckrick. No!